Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Life Hacks. This series looks at helpful strategies from the book of Proverbs to help us live life well now and to prepare us for eternity. It's Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be looking from verses 20 to 27 today. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. This is going to be the conclusion of our series that we've called Life Hacks. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the topic of guarding your heart. So Proverbs chapter 4, beginning of verse 20, as always, the verses will be up here on the screen. The main text is also there in your uh, booklet, and I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. Hear now the word of the living God. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. In June 2015, down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, about 500 people started coming up with real sickness in their stomach. They were all feeling very, very ill. There were a lot of symptoms that went along with it. And these people, Gatlinburg's a big resort area, they'd come from all kinds of different locations. There there didn't seem to be a whole lot of commonality, but they eventually realized that all of them had gone to a zipline course. And they had taken the zipline tour thing together, and what they discovered was that they had all drank water along the zipline course from these coolers. But they're still all different coolers, but all the coolers had been filled from one well. And that well actually had, I believe it was actually E. coli uh, that they had. And that well was poisoned, and it went into every one of the coolers, and it affected every one of the people who were drinking from all those different coolers, and all those people were from all these different places. I bring this up because that's exactly what our text wants to say to us today, that the heart is like a well, and everything else in your life, all the disparate things are all drawing from that one source of the heart. And if that source is pure and good, it's going to put forth good. And if that source is corrupt and foolish and evil, it's going to put forth bad. And so the Scripture wants us to look at this area from which all of our character flows, which is the heart. So let's dive in. Now the first thing that the Scripture writer here is telling us is the importance of of guarding the heart. And he's telling us this is a really important truth. Notice in verses 20 to 23, many different ways he says, pay attention, listen to me. He says uh, first in verse 20, pay attention, listen closely. In verse 21, he's saying these things I'm telling you, don't let them out of your sight, keep them in your heart. In verse 22, he says these things are life. 
They are health. And then in verse 23, he says, above all else. Now, all of these are one way of saying, are you listening to me? Are you paying attention? This is really important. Don't miss this. And the important thing he wants us to get is there in verse 23, right in the center of this little section of Proverbs. And that is, above all else, guard your heart. So this teacher or father is saying to his disciple or his child, because it kind of goes back and forth here in Proverbs, and he says, look, this is what you got to get. Out of all the other things I'm telling you, you have got to pay attention to this. Above all else, this is the most important thing. And it's actually, the, the way the Hebrew writes, it's pretty vivid. It's more than all guarding, guard your heart. There are all kinds of things you might guard out there in your life. You might guard your house, you might guard your fields, you might guard your possessions. But I'm telling you, whatever else you guard, here's what you better make sure you guard. That is your heart. You've got to carefully watch over it and test it for health. Now, this picture, this metaphor is like a guard at the gates. You've got to be very, very careful, not only of what you let in, but even what you let out. Out. And I'm going to come back to this point a couple of times. When we think of the word guard, we usually think of a guy standing and they're only protecting what's coming in. But what's interesting, when I was, uh, before I was a pastor here, I had a job for a while with, with a couple of three-letter agencies in the area where I was a contractor. And I assure you, the guards were more concerned about what was going out than they even were about what was coming in. They were very concerned about it. The guard's job went both ways. The same thing is true here. Like a watchman on the walls, you've got to be careful about what's coming in and you've got to be careful about what is going out to, uh, from your heart. And we'll see this over and over again. And so this is a call that the writer is giving us to carefully consider the state of our hearts and to do what is necessary to cultivate proper desires in our heart and to weed out improper desires. Now, the Proverbs uh, writers say this thing many, many times. I'll, I'll, another verse that's similar to this is in Proverbs 23, 19. He says, listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Sounds to us like he's mixing metaphors, because, of course, we would think of keeping our feet. But what he's saying is, ultimately, the path is about what you're desiring, the way you are living, the way you are thinking, what you are looking at. It's, it's everything about you, and the heart is central to that. So he says, listen, careful, you've got to pay attention to this. Watch where your heart's at. It's on the path of the wise, or it's on the path of the fool. You're walking in the ways of righteousness and strengthening that, or you're strengthening the ways of wickedness. Which are you doing in your heart? Now, the reason this is so important, according to the writer here, is that the heart is the spring from which everything else in our life flows. So notice there in verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for. This is why. I'm going to explain to you why you have to guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life, is the way the NIV has it there. There are different translations, and you can kind of get the full picture if you listen to it. In 2011, the newer version of the NIV, they said, because everything you do flows from it. The uh, uh, Christian Study Bible, or the Christian, uh, it used to be known as the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's now called the Christian Standard Bible, which is a Baptist translation. It says, it's the source of life. 
The New Living Translation says it determines the course of your life. They're all trying to get at kind of the, the Hebrew phrase here, which is saying that, look, it, it is, it's like a well. Everything else flows out of this. All you do flows from your heart. Now, this is important for us to grasp. Sometimes today, American Christians like to say, well, there's the, the head and the heart. The Bible doesn't make that distinction. The heart is the seat of your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, your will. In the New Testament, they actually even use the term your guts, okay? They're not trying to give a physiognomy here. What they're trying to say is deep down inside you, where you think, where you desire, where you determine which path you're going to walk, that place is your heart, and therefore it is the source of all your actions. You will walk and do after the state of your heart. So you must pay attention to your heart. Notice how the writer develops this in the, in the verses right after that. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So notice he's changed to the heart and he's going through this taxonomy of biblical parts. He's telling us your, your mouth, your lips, your eyes, your feet, everything else that we can observe in your body is guided by your heart. The way you walk is determined by your heart. And so you've got to pay careful attention to this. He's moving from the heart to actions, and he ends by saying, look, the whole goal of this is you're trying to stay away from evil because evil is the path of the fool and it's destructive to you. Your life will not be blessed if you're walking that path, so stay away from it, and to do that, you have to guard your heart. Now, if we think about it, Jesus said the exact same thing over and over and over again. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, you remember he was saying, the law says this, but I'm telling you, it, if you're doing this inside, it's eventually going to flow outside. And in Mark 7, 20 to 23, he put it this way. He said, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So notice what Jesus is saying here. And that list, uh, if you actually follow along, especially earlier on, where he's got sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, this is the second table of the Ten Commandments. He's saying the reason you violate that, it all begins back with the heart, which is actually what the Tenth Commandment about coveting is about, the state of our heart. And Jesus says, notice, uh, this is when the Pharisees were arguing about what the disciples were eating, and Jesus said, you don't understand, it's not what you put in your mouth that causes you problems, it's what's in your heart already. So your whole setup here, Pharisees, is wrong. It won't clean people up, because it's the state of the heart that matters. So what this means for us as we've been going through this series on life hacks is there's no simple steps to seeing my character change because my actions and my character flow from my heart. I can't simply say, well, I'm going to try for 10 days to do this little practice and it'll change my actions. No, it won't. If we don't get down to the heart, my external actions will eventually line up with my internal heart. So 
we have to guard, we have to shepherd, we have to protect our hearts if you want to become wise and if you want to walk the path of wisdom. So how do we do this? Well, there's, there's three life hacks, if you will, to guarding our heart. There's three things, that, and then there are others we could talk about. And in fact, I will delve into one if you watch the After Hours video that will drop on Tuesday. I'm going to cover one that I don't cover in this because I'm mainly going to stick with what the proverb is telling us here. So what are these three? Number one, you guard your heart by filling it with God's Word. Okay, you guard your heart by filling it with God's Word. Notice there, again, starting at verse 20 before he even gets to guard your heart. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. So this is what leads into verse 23, is him saying, you got to hear and receive my word. And of course, the Holy Spirit is speaking in this writing. So the word that we're talking about is not just human wisdom. It's not just an earthly father speaking to a child. He is being the mouthpiece of God. And he's saying, you've got to pay attention carefully. You've got to take this word in and get it down into your soul. You've got to hold on to this. You know why? Because you've got to guard your heart. This is how you guard your heart. So again, our problem is when we use the word guard, we so often think, and most sermons you hear about this are, keep the bad stuff out. And so the totality of guarding my heart becomes, well, do you listen to this kind of music or do that? And it's not that those things are inconsequential, but that is not the dominant note in this text. Because the word to guard, the, the Hebrew word, actually means to guard, keep, preserve, observe, pay attention to. It's all of these. And so what it's talking about is not just keep the bad stuff out, but I'm trying to work over, watch over my heart to make sure it's in the right place. And the first thing that the proverb tells us is you do that by getting the good stuff in. You take the word in. And so the biblical advice first is to positively fill your heart with God's word so that it's full and there's no room for evil to sprout and grow within your heart. In a sense, you get the bad out by putting the good in, okay? Uh, it's like if you almost think about it, your heart is like a very, very deep glass that's got stuff in the bottom and you can't reach down and dig it out. But what you can do is keep pouring good, pure water in and it eventually is cleaning it up. And so if you think of a, a psalm that's really a wisdom psalm, Psalm 119, which is that famous acrostic poem to the Word of God, in verses 9 to 11 we read this. How can a young man keep his way pure? And he doesn't give 50 different... You know, here's little tips. Here's what he says. By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that why? I might not sin against you. See, so the first thing about the heart, I don't want to stray. I don't want to run away. So the first thing is I'm hiding your word in my heart so that there's no room for sin to grow. If we are constantly taking in the word of God, it begins to shape our desires so that they are in line with God's will. It shapes our thoughts, but it also shapes our desires. We start to want different things because the problem is if my heart 
wants that which is wrong, there are not enough safeguards in the world that will prevent me. I will eventually find the way to do it. You're going to do what's in your heart. And so am I. Okay? All of us. Now, that's a sobering thought because none of us have absolutely pure hearts. But this is where we start. This is also why, if you think about it, the consistent call is to meditate on God's Word how long? Day and night. Because, see, here's the reality. There is surface-level thinking and surface-level desiring, but you have desires and thoughts that are so deep in your subconscious. And so what a lot of your actions and minds are arriving out of, if I can use the analogy, the Marianas Trench, 35,000 feet under the surface of the Pacific. And you can't get there by meditating on the Word for a few seconds now and again. It's a long descent to get it down there. And they are discovering so much about our brains now that so much of the way you and I act is not even in your conscious. It's arising out of your subconscious. In your conscious mind, you say, this is what I believe, and then your actions arise out of your subconscious, and sometimes we're shocked at the way it goes. But that's because it's arising out of this deep place. And so God says, no, you got to marinate in my word day and night. It has got to be in there because the longer you're doing it, the deeper it's penetrating and the more it's purifying, the more it's changing, the more it is shaping. And the more it gets down there, it changes not only my external conscious thoughts, but my internal desires and dispositions. It starts to shift who I am. Now, this sounds like some work, doesn't it? Because if you want your character changed, it requires work. It does. Now, second point. I guard my heart by choosing my companions carefully. First, I put the word in, but then I'm choosing my companions carefully. Notice again verse 20, where it starts. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. But what does that assume in the first place? Where do I have to be to pay attention to what he's saying and to listen to him? I have to be with them. Remember, this is not, well, I'll, I'll cue it up on Facebook Live later. I have to be there or I can't hear it. And throughout the book of Proverbs, there is a call to, no, come to me, give your heart to me, stay with me. Don't go running with this crowd over there because if you do this, you're going to end up in trouble. Notice Proverbs 23, 19 to 21 says the same thing. Listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart, heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Notice what he's saying here is, and don't think you have the option to spend all your time hanging out with these guys and not becoming like them. Not going to happen. If you are hanging with them, you're going to become like them. Therefore, choose your companions very, very carefully. Now, this does not mean, again, as believers, are we called to be in contact with those who are unbelievers? Yes, we absolutely are. But it means, in a sense, I don't give my heart away. I'm my closest soul brothers are those who are going to be speaking God's word to me. Because the Marianas Trench, out of which all this is rising, is so deep, I need constant input to do this surface level will not bring about the change 
So I need people who are going to speak the truth to me and help me root out falsehood and error. Who are going to see, with, oh, you're walking down the wrong path here. That's not a good idea. I'm calling you back. We need companions who are around us that will be that way, who will encourage us in wisdom, who will encourage us in right desires rather than foolishness and evil desires. Because let's be honest, when foolishness and evil desires pop up, what do I want people around me to say? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, that, that's, oh, that's, the way the, that's the way God made you. That's good. Don't let anybody tell you not to do that. See, I want that in that moment. I want somebody to tell me, that's a good idea, when it's not a good idea. What I need is somebody who tells me, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that, man. That's, that's going to end in disaster for you. That's what we need. Now, I'm not going to delve into this a lot more because we did a whole teaching on this as one of the life hacks. So you can go back and you can refer to that. But notice this text tells us you guard your heart first by putting the word in and secondly by surrounding myself with people who are wise and who are walking the way I want to walk. When, when I was young, and parents, you can do this with your kids. When I was young, I asked my children, particularly I, I had three boys and and it's not that girls don't have foolishness, but boy, is there foolishness in a teenage boy. Testosterone is doing something weird with their head at that time. Sorry to scare you parents who have younger kids. But I told my sons, who do you want to be like? And they named a few men that were in this church. And I said, okay, if that's who you want to be like, then you need to remind yourself of that, and you need to be around people who are helping you get to that place. Because you can't be, do you, do you want to end up like this person? No, then you can't be hanging around them all the time. Because who you hang with is going to determine it. We, we tried to pound that into our kids, actually. It's so important. Third area that Proverbs gives us, and it's the last one I'll cover this morning, is we guard our heart by reinforcing godly desires with proper actions. Notice again, as you go from verses 23 to 27, above all else, guard your heart for his wellspring of life, and then he flows into actions. Put perversity away from your lips. He's talking about something you actually do. Okay, All of these things, this idea of walking the path is about my actions. And so what this means is that these actions, these ways not only flow from right desires, but they reinforce them until the desires are firmly fixed in our hearts. Every one of us have right desires and wrong desires. It's called sanctification. You're still not perfect, nor am I. And so the, one of the things that determines which becomes stronger is when I have the right desire, do I turn that into action to reinforce the right desire? Or do I not? And when I have the wrong desire, do I turn that into actions to reinforce that desire or not? Because the more you do, the more it works out. And this is true in every area of life. If I'm wanting to exercise more and I wake up and, and actually today I feel like exercising, but I say, I'm not going to do it though anyway. You know, I let something else distract. That weakens that desire day by day by day. But if I reinforce it by doing it, it strengthens that desire day by day by day. And so there's this symbiotic relationship between them. And what that means is when my desires, my right desires begin to flag, a desire to be in the Word of God, a desire to worship God, a desire to share the gospel with others or to pray or to serve someone, when that desire starts to flag and it starts to faint, 
the thing is not, oh, well, I'll just sit around and wait until the right desire comes back. No, at that moment, what we do is we stoke them back to a white-hot flame by doing the deeds of righteousness and asking Jesus to give us the right desire as we are doing so. Notice in Revelation chapter 2, we, we looked at these letters a couple years ago, but the church in Ephesus, which Jesus starts with, and he says, here's these good things that you've got going. You're doing some good things, but he tells them this in verses 4 and 5. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So notice he's dealing with the desire. He's saying there's a problem inside you. Your love is not where it ought to be, but notice his solution. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So what do I do when my desire is flagging? Jesus says you go back and you do the things that help stoke the desire. Now, this is not a statement that, well, just do it and it doesn't matter where your heart is. This is not just going through the motions. But this is saying there is a symbiotic relationship. Right desires prompt right actions. The heart will produce what is down inside it. But if I am doing the right things, that feeds back into right desires, and it becomes stronger and stronger. This is why we develop habits over time. I start with something, and at first, when you're trying to establish a new habit, how hard is it at first? I mean, actually, usually the first day, it's like I'm all encouraged and I'm going to do it. Three days in, five days in, it gets hard. And right there is when the choice is made. I don't feel like doing it, but I know this is the right thing. I'm going to keep doing that. And then pretty soon, it keeps feeding back, and it keeps feeding back. And I start finding myself wanting to do what is right. The two work together. They fuel one another. So these three things help us guard our heart. That I am filling it with the Word of God that I am surrounding it with true godly companions who are going to speak the Word of God, and then I am feeding back into it, reinforcing godly desires with godly actions. Okay, Now this is what it tells us. So how do we apply this? And uh, this is going to be kind of simple, just like we've done throughout this series, and we'll eventually come to the Lord's table, but I want to ask two simple questions, or it's really, do we recognize two things? The first one is, do I see the need to be changed as a person? Now see, what I'm telling you is a little bit, we did a little bit of false advertising in this series because we did you know, life hacks, these things out on the internet. Oh, you do this simple thing and your life's transformed. Yeah, that's not really the way it works. Okay, that's the way marketing always works, right? We always tell people, hey, here's how you can get this great, wonderful thing. You can become rich and put no work into it. You can become educated without having to study. You know, you can do all of these wonderful things and it's going to require nothing of you. Yeah, that's, that's a bunch of hoo-ha. It's not true. Life doesn't work that way. And there is no life hack to character. You remember the first week when we looked at words and it's so hard to control the tongue. But see, I, what, what is like the biggest section in every bookstore in America? It's the self-help section. Because we all believe, I can read this book, they're going to give me three little quick things to do, and life's going to be completely different. No, it's not. No, it is not. The only way for life to be different is the heart has to be changed. It's got to penetrate down. For true, lasting change in actions and character, you've got to be changed from the inside out. And realize this is always a temptation for humans, but particularly in our age, I believe. We like the quick fix. That's what we want. But that does not work. 
It simply does not work that way. That is not the way God, I know this is, I'm being the bearer of bad news, take it up with Jesus. It's the way he made the universe. Maybe he could have made it another way, I don't know, but it's not the way he made it. The way he made it is, it is day by day. What you sow, you are going to reap. And we like to find a way out of that. So think about it. The scripture call and the scripture uh, description of what it means to be a believer. There are terms like this. Born again. Regenerated. Dying to your old self. Putting to death and putting off the old man and putting on Christ. Does any of that sound like surface change? See, this is, this is, Jesus is saying, you want to know what it's like? It's like being born again. Everything is transformed. Everything is changed. You are regenerated. God is going down to change your DNA. That is a description of what the Christian life looks like. But I still want to do something on the surface. But God's saying, you're not looking for the surface. You're, you're trying to get down to the Marianas Trench. You're trying to get 35,000 feet down because that's where it's ultimately flowing from. So do I really want to see changes in the kind of areas we've talked about? Or do I not really care that much? Now, we're throwing up on the screen here. These are the areas that we've looked at in this series. And as I've been doing each week, and today's Pentecost Sunday, so it's a great day to ask this. Here's the question. Which of these areas is the Spirit speaking to me about? Now, you can look up here, and if you think you're doing great in all of these, you are deceived, and he's speaking to you about deception. Okay? There are probably areas in every one of these that you and I need to work on. But the reality is you can't work on everything at once. So we're going to do some what they call in weightlifting, what they call weak point training, okay? Everybody likes to work on the things they're strong on, but you need to work on the things you're weak on. So where is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is it words? Man, my mouth gets me in trouble. Is it friendships? I keep trying to do the right thing, but I honestly, I, I prefer hanging out with guys that are getting themselves in trouble all the time. Or, you know, I like hanging out with these women that are getting me in trouble, whatever it is. Is it generosity that my spirit is turned in on itself rather than being generous and giving? I only want what's mine. Is it knowing and loving the limits that God has placed upon us as creatures and by his word that he has said, go here and you can't go there? Is it anger and rage that we looked at last week that, you know what, I can hang with the best of them, man. That guy thinks he's got road rage. He hadn't seen anything yet. Which of those areas is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about through this series? Because he wants to work, and the solution to that is not, well, I started, that week I worked on it. It's, it's not a weak thing. It's, it's a long period of time. I shared with you all that one of my besetting ones through this is anger and rage from when I was a young man. It was years of working for me to be sanctified to where I am far, far, far less angry than I used to be. That did not have, that was a lot of scripture memory, meditation, fasting, repentance, crying out to God, and getting down because the anger arose out of the heart. So which one is the Holy Spirit 
speaking to you about. Ask him to show you that area and let it work. Now, before we come to the table, what I want to remind you again on this is the gospel resources we have to do this. This is not a self-help thing. We don't believe in self-help. We believe in the gospel. In fact, your problem is we keep trying to help ourselves, and that doesn't work. We, we've tried one way or another the little fig leaf thing, and that'll never work. God's got to clothe us. God's got to shape and change us. But here's the good news in the gospel. God does this for us in the gospel. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27, the Lord says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now this is a glorious promise of the new covenant when Israel was in exile. And notice in three verses we get three separate things. First, I'm going to sprinkle water on you and cleanse you. There's going to be purification. I'm going to deal with the penalty of your sin and I'm going to remove this idolatry from you. Secondly, I'm not only going to do that, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. Because the reason you kept running after these idols was your heart was a heart of stone. And it needed to be a heart of flesh. But in the new covenant, the law will not just be outside. I'm going to write it on the heart, and I'm going to do a heart transplant and give you a new heart. This is being born again. And then notice verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you. Not only do you have a new heart and a new spirit, but my Holy Spirit is going to come dwell in you. Not just upon you, in you. Not just on a few prophet, priests, and kings. All of you rich and poor, young and old, male and female, whatever your education level, your skill level, it does not matter. The Spirit is going to come in you and He is going to move you. He's going to give you desires to follow my ways. He's going to give you desires to keep the Word that is now written on your heart. This is incredible promises from God. And God has affected this change right here in every single believer. If you are a Christian, you are not the same. I do not care how you think you were made, what your original DNA was. Your original DNA was sinner. And it doesn't matter what sin it was running after. The only question was out of the smorgasbord of sin, which one I was most drawn towards. But when you come to Christ, you are cleansed, you are purified, you are given a new heart, with the law of God written on it, and the Spirit of God comes and dwells in you and fills you and is poured out on you and empowers you and says, don't go the old way, go the new way. Put that to death. Put on Christ. This is the way I'm trying to get you to work. So this is not you and I are left, I'm going to try and gut this out. I'm going to call upon the resources that God has put within me. And please, this is not a few people. This is not super Christians. Well, the saints have this. If you are in Christ, you have this. Period. Now, if you're here and you're not in Christ, then what you need to do is be in Christ. And I want to call out to you that, that you need your heart changed. You need to be transformed. You need the gospel. There is no, 
Every work we do is defiled by sin. Every one of us are breathing out sin constantly. It is part of what it means to be human, fallen human beings. Ever since the garden, we are under God's just wrath because of our nature and our actions. And so if you are not in Christ, I urge you, look to Him today because He wants to do this complete heart transformation. That's what God is working to do. But if you are a believer, I want you to understand the glorious good news. The Holy Spirit is always at work to change us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is always working through the means of grace to empower us in our walks, to shape our souls, to change who we are. That's who sanctification is largely God saying be who you are. I have changed you from the inside out. Your DNA is now different. You have the righteousness of God in you. And so my final plea before we come to the table is to understand in all these areas whatever one of those areas you were looking at and saying man i have been struggling with this for years do not let the world do not let satan steal this precious inheritance from you you are not condemned to be who you were that is what our culture is telling us over and over again just make peace with whatever desires you've got that's a disaster you, you do not want to be within 100 miles of me if I'm going to make peace with whatever desire pops up into my heart or head. And I don't want to be around you. We don't have to do that. Consider what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. If you are in Christ, you are not that. Whatever you were, and Paul could have kept on adding. This is all the ways we violate God's law. And Paul says that's what you were. But you were washed. Ezekiel 36. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't forget verse 27. And by the Spirit of our God, He is upon you. You are not what you were. And do not let the world tell you you are. Do not let the world tell you that's just the way you are. Make peace with it. Sin is not who you were created to be. It is not who I was created to be. We were created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is your basic nature for which you were made. Sin is a bad additive that was put in. It's not essential to who we are. But our culture wants to define us by all of this stuff and say, I have no choice. Never true for a human being. Not true. If you are a human, you have the option of turning to the gospel and being changed. You can say, that's what I was but it is not who I am. And so with this, I hope ringing in your ears, 
We're going to come to the table of strength where the Holy Spirit meets us and reminds us. See, all of this in this series is a tall call. I I know it's tough, but here's the good news. We are not left to our own resources. When you were justified, the Holy Spirit came in you to begin sanctifying you. And if we are honest, how many of us have things that we look and say, I just wish I didn't say, think, act, do that thing? Well, here's good news. Every time we come to the table, the Holy Spirit is here waiting to feed the new nature, to strengthen you by grace, to give you all the riches of Christ Jesus' broken body and shed blood, and to empower you and guard and strengthen you against that which you know is, I don't want to do. That's what happens when we come to the table. So I want to encourage us today, fix on your heart and mind that thing where you're struggling out of that previous list we had. And maybe there's something else because there's a lot of other things we could do. But where's the Spirit speaking? And let's say today, Spirit of the living God, feed me, strengthen me, help me. Not because I'm trying to earn your favor. You've already given me your favor. I'm adopted. I'm at this table because of your grace. Sins I don't even know would cry out against me, but you have graciously forgiven all of that. But I know that what is for my ultimate good is to be like Jesus. Would you please take this and mold and shape me? I want to desire what you desire. I want to think what you think. I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. And I want to walk in a manner that is more like Jesus this week than last week. And that is what the Spirit of God is here to do today. As I, in a moment, we're going to hand the the elements out. Begin to let the Lord work on your heart. And I want to remind you, and you're going to hear this in my prayer, today is Pentecost Sunday. Christians all over are remembering that day and that event. Friend, you live in the glorious new covenant. The Spirit of God that hovered over chaotic waters and brought forth life and fruit. The Spirit of God that could hover over a virgin and let her conceive and bring forth the eternal Son of God. That Spirit dwells in you. If he can do that, he can help me keep my mouth shut when I need to. That's a lot easier than making a virgin conceive last time I checked. Okay? So let's cry out to him to do that. If you're a guest, you are welcome to partake with us. You just need to be a believer. This is a meal for a believer. You're going to hear when we take it. You are proclaiming, I deserve wrath. My sins deserve judgment, but Christ has lived and died for me, and I am trusting 100% in that. I don't have option B. If you believe that, please partake with us. And as always, if you want gluten-free, raise your hand, and we will uh, take it together, uh, or they'll bring it to you. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant 
and my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God of all power, send your Holy Spirit upon us, that in sharing the bread, we may share in the body of Christ, that in sharing the cup, we may share in his blood. Grant that being joined together in Christ Jesus, we may become united in faith and in all things become mature and grow up into the one who is our head, our source, our life, Jesus Christ. Amen. The ushers are going to distribute the elements. As they do, please take them, hold on to them, and ask the Spirit to be working in you. Father, in the beginning, all things were created by your Son, the Word, and your Spirit hovered over creation to form and fashion it and make it fruitful. And at the apex of your creative work, you made us in your image with hearts able to know, love, and glorify and enjoy you forever. But foolishly, we turned away choosing the path of wickedness over the way of obedience. But you promised you would send your Son to redeem, to do battle for us, crushing the enemy and being bruised in the process. And in the fullness of time, your Son came and worked salvation for us. This bread we hold is the symbol of his body, in which he obeyed in our place, and which was broken for us, that we might be saved. Today, we receive this sacrament in faith, giving thanks to you for the great salvation we have been given in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take and eat. Lord, you graciously made covenant with your people Israel, giving them your word and will through your law. But though your law was holy and true, they were sinful and broke it again and again. So you sent your servants, the prophets, to show your people their sin and to give them the promise of a new and better covenant. And though your people were not faithful to you, you were faithful to your promise and to them. So in the fullness of time, you sent your Son, born of the Virgin Mary, born under the law, to redeem those who had broken your law. And this cup is the cup of his new covenant, which is far superior to the old covenant, having a better mediator, being built upon better promises, and being sealed with the blood of the true Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we take this cup in faith and we give you thanks for the blood of Christ through which we are forgiven and free. Take and drink. Let's stand together for this closing prayer and benediction. And again, I encourage you as I pray 
cry out to God to fill you fresh and new with his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you anointed the prophets, priests, and kings of your people to speak the word of God, to enter your presence and offer sacrifice, and to rule wisely. But in the new covenant, you do not dwell upon a few. Now you dwell within all of the children of God, young and old, male and female, rich and poor. You have come that the righteous requirements of the law might be met in us, and so that we might be formed into the likeness of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. As you came upon the church in power on that first Pentecost, so come in power upon us now. Fill us with the fire and the power of Pentecost, that we might speak your word with boldness and obey it without hesitation. Spirit of the living God, transform our minds so that we think as the children of God. Shape our hearts so that we desire the will of God. Form our wills so they are quick to obey the word of God. Holy Spirit, empower us so that we might be faithful and fruitful witnesses for our Lord Jesus Christ who has given all of this to us by his life, death, and resurrection. We ask this in his name, and God's people say, Amen. So be it. Now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go forth in the power of the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.